Hey, you're listening to the Upper Room Podcast. To learn more about Upper Room, please visit URDallas.com. Hey, I just want to read a couple of scriptures to you. Like, like I believe that, 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 that our faith has been domesticated. I believe that, that, that we, 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 we can domesticate our faith or we can put our faith in a packaging that we're used to and we can become familiar with things that we should never be familiar with. <laughs> like when we, when we see the Lord as he is, we will never grow familiar with the reality of who he is. We will constantly be amazed. We will constantly be in awe. We will constantly be discovering new things about who he is. And so I've just been awakened in my heart that the Lord is stoking a fresh faith for fresh encounters for us as a community. The upper room, when it began, there, there was just these mysterious things happening that, that only God could do. Like, like there, were, there were demonstrations of, of power that, that, that only, only he could do. Like, like in the early days, there were, there were lives that were touched, there were marriages that were restored, there were bodies that were healed and mended. There were hearts that were hard and broken and crusty and the Lord broke in and made them new. Like I just remember the, 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 the days of old when it was this little ragtag bunch gathering in this upper room. We were just hungry for God to do something. And in my heart, like nothing was off limits. Like I just showed up and there was this zeal, this childlike, oh my God, what are you gonna do? And I realized in my own heart as we've, as we've kind of gotten good at doing what we do and we've got the the 50 minutes of singing and we get in the prophetic flow and we enter in with thanksgiving and we worship and God's authoring faith and preach a good sermon. And, and we leave with a good experience. We leave like doing the thing that we do, which is good, but I don't wanna just settle for that. I, I, wanna, I wanna like constantly be dependent upon the power of God, like the power of God, the power of the gospel for salvation, like his ability to do what only he can beyond like good preaching, beyond like good worship, beyond good revelation, good understanding. I want us to be dependent on God to do what only God can do. And, and, and like for me, that wasn't always the case. Like how many of you, you like, you don't know what you don't know. And how many of us, like, we need to realize there are certain things we just don't know? You with me? Like, I love that phrase, I don't know what I don't know. And when it came to following the Lord, there were just certain things that I didn't know. Like, like I, didn't know about, I didn't know about the presence of the Lord. I didn't know about the Holy Spirit. I, I, knew, I knew of him, I knew about him, but I didn't know him, I hadn't seen him. And, and, and what I wanna talk about this morning is I wanna talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. I wanna talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. And I wanna partner that with prayer. Like we've been, we've been laying a solid foundation early on about prayer, culture of prayer, lifestyle of prayer, ministering to the Lord, prayer under the presence. Like we have painted that picture very, very well. And, 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 and we're gathering morning, noon, and night. But in the cycles of like morning, noon, and night prayer, us gathering around the presence, I want there to be an expectation that the power of God manifests when the presence of God is here. And, and, and I, I wanna stoke you today with testimonies. I wanna tell you testimonies that I've seen, that I've heard. You're gonna hear testimonies from at least one person in this room of ways that God has supernaturally intervened into their life and there is, it's undeniable that only God could have done that. But a lot of times in our culture, like we, we, this is scary for us because you can't quantify this. It's hard to, it's hard to like, 
we like to live by reasoning. We like to live by understanding, but many of these things surpass our understanding. They surpass our reasoning. Like God wants to take us to places that you can't go into head first. Are you? So let me just read you some scriptures just to, just to lay a foundation. Then I'm gonna share a testimony that rocked me. Uh, it's, 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 it's a testimony that I heard that's from a friend of mine. You're gonna listen to it. So can you put up Romans chapter 15? This is Paul. Paul was talking to the church in Rome and he said this, now may the God, uh, that's not the one. It's Romans, Romans 15 verse 18. You probably couldn't read my handwriting. For I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by word and what's that last? Deed. So he's gonna show you what word and deed mean in the power of signs and wonders. Everyone say the power of signs and wonders in the power of the spirit. So Paul's, Paul's saying, listen, I, I'm, it's not just what I said, but it's, it's, it's what the Holy Spirit did in signs and wonders. And then in Acts chapter four, the church was being uh, persecuted. It's probably about a year into the church. Uh, Paul and, no, not Paul. Uh, I think it was Peter and John had just been released from prison. And so they'd been released from prison and they pray this prayer in Acts chapter four. They said, and now Lord, take note of their threats. They're being persecuted and grant that your bond servants may speak your word with all confidence. So here is the word again, being proclaimed with confidence resulting in verse 30. While you've extended your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So it's not just a proclamation of the word, it's also a demonstration of the power through signs and wonders. Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 4.20 that the kingdom of heaven is not just a matter of words or talk, but it's also, a, it's a matter of power. It's a demonstration of his power. In Acts chapter one, verse eight, he told him to wait in the upper room until power would fall upon them by the Holy Spirit, which would embolden them to be witnesses. In Luke chapter 24, verse 40, 49, he said, listen, in that day, you will be clothed with power. So there's something about the Holy Spirit and power. There's something about the Holy Spirit today manifesting in power in ways that only he can. And I don't, I, we, we just, we've gotta be constantly re, be reminded of this because we'll fall we'll fall into cycles and structures where we lean upon our own strength and not his. And we, we, like, we need to re-ante in this and say, Lord, we need a demonstration of your power. We need an outpouring of your spirit. And so for me, I didn't really know what that looked like. Like, like when I look at the life of Jesus and I see, I see how Jesus lived, there, Jesus, Jesus healed. Like there was not a person that came to Jesus that did not leave differently, changed. He healed bodies. He's the revealed will of God. Jesus healed, amen? Jesus set people free that were demonized, that were, that were in deception and lies, that were in bondage to other realities. He came forth and he liberated the captive, amen? And, and he's doing the same thing today. So when the Holy Spirit comes in the room, the Holy Spirit's desire is to reveal our king and to manifest his kingdom. It's a king and kingdom reality. So here I was in my neat packaged version of Christianity. I had been a pastor for probably five years. I had met the Holy Spirit and, and like my paradigm had slightly been blown open 
But then I heard this testimony and I'm gonna play this testimony to you. The reason I'm playing you this testimony is because I believe the Lord, uh, again, wants to reawaken fresh faith in his ability to do things that, that only he can do. And, and this testimony awakened something in me. This testimony was a marker to me uh, I remember exactly where I was when I heard it. I was driving down 635 at Webb Chapel and the testimony began. And as this guy started testifying to what had happened in a grocery store, this was February of 2004, I believe, happened in a grocery store. I pulled over because my unbelief was confronted and I'd never heard a testimony like this modern day. And so I want you to listen to it. Jaw. She has a 
Jesus has just healed me. Jesus just healed me. The whole place goes crazy. They all start like, you know, hooting and hollering. I mean, this isn't like a church. This isn't checked out out of ten. And this guy in the back starts pushing people. And I Jesus. think this guy is coming to like beat me up. He has a problem with this. I don't know. So he, and he's shaking his like fist at me. And he gets up to me, and I'm like getting ready to defend myself. And he says, my, my wrist, I have carpal tunnel on my wrist. I've had it for two years. Will you please pray for me? And I said, of course. And I said, you know, while I'm praying for you, why don't you just move it around just to see if something, you know, shifts or changes? He's moving around. He goes, oh, my gosh, they're on fire. They're on fire. Well, that's good. You know, it's a good thing. And so he's like, oh, my gosh, there's no more pain. He starts crying. And he begins to explain to me that he plays the piano and teaches and he performs, and that's how he makes his money. He's been in total pain doing this. And now they look hurting more. And he was coming into the grocery store at night saying, wouldn't it be great if all the pain in my wrist was left today? And so I decided, hey, you know, the, the kingdom just showed up. It'd be a good idea to introduce the king. And so I just told everybody, you know, Jesus didn't just die on the cross. He was doing the heal to have a personal relationship with you. And that you could uh, be best friends with the creator of the universe. And just in a real simple gospel message, and I said, who wants that? Who wants to be best friends with the creator of the universe? And people's hands just came up, and I just led them to the Lord, prayed for them. So I good. Amen. Isn't that cool? So, so, so I was, I was probably. 29 when I first heard that, and that was the first time I had ever heard a testimony like that, and it confronted me, and, and it confronted me with what I didn't know, and I was so confronted that I pulled over on the service road in the center of 635, I got out my phone, and I figured out what church this was, never heard of the church, I called the church, and I said, is Chad there? I need to talk to Chad, that's all I knew, and they're like, what Chad? I said, the grocery store Chad. And, uh, and they're like, oh, you heard the testimony. And I said, yes, I heard the testimony. I'd like to talk to him. They said, well, we can't give you his personal number and, and on and on and on. Well, I ended up meeting, he's now a friend. He's been to the upper room. Uh, uh, but but, but that, that testimony provoked something in me. And when I heard that testimony and I read the gospel, they really match up. <laughs> like that's a story that I feel like you would read in, in Acts, the book of Acts, just through me reading through the book of Acts, it's over 20 times that salvation came forth through a sign and wonder. It's so innate to who we are as the church, but I think we've relegated this to that hour and that day because they didn't have the means that we do, whether it was the written word or, or technology or all these other things, but we still need to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit to manifest himself in signs and wonders. And when we started the upper room, initially it was, again, it was this ragtag bunch of people and we were just hungry to see God do what only he could. We had this insatiable hunger for his presence and we used prayer. Prayer was a means for the presence, but it resulted in power when the upper room started. And I, I'm, not, I'm not making this up. It's, it's, I'm just, it's just such a sweet thing to us. But, but we, saw, we saw at least five deaf ears open in the first year of the upper room. Um, I remember I was in a Dunn Brothers coffee and, uh, and I, yeah, this is just, I felt like I'm to testify to what I've seen. I was in a Dunn Brothers coffee and there was, a, there was a man that I started talking to. He was my age, tatted up. He did not know the Lord. Two sentences in, you realize this guy does not know Jesus. And, uh, and he asked me what I did. I said, I'm a pastor. And I said, well, you know, do you know the Lord? I don't know the Lord. I've, 
I don't do church. Well, I don't do church either, I do Jesus. Have you met Jesus? Um, I don't, I, what would it be like to meet Jesus? I said, I don't know, let's see how he wants to meet you. What do you need? And uh, as we began talking, he was deaf in his left ear. This is one of the ears. And I said, I, 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 I know who Jesus is and I've seen him do this before and I don't know if he'll do it today, but we can ask if he'll heal your ear. He said, do you think he can heal my ear? I said, I think he could. And so we just began discussing. I said, I don't know what that, uh, let's see what that would look like. Put your hand on your ear. And I just prayed a real simple prayer. Lord Jesus, would you open up my friend's ear? He took his hand off his ear, put his finger in his other ear, and out of his mouth was a loud expletive. (laughs) Because he could hear out of his left ear the music that he could not previously hear. He started crying And then he was a regular at this coffee shop and the guy went to the barista and he said, oh my gosh, you have no idea what just happened. And he began to testify to the barista, to the other barista. He went from table to table to table telling them, look at what Jesus has done. Jesus has touched my ear. And so I just followed along and I said, yeah, isn't Jesus amazing? This is what he does. I remember uh, this was all within the first year of the upper room. I remember one Sunday night, um, I was getting up to preach. Again, ragtag bunch, only about 100, maybe 200 people were gathering at the time. And uh, right before I got up to preach, I was, I was fired up, ready to go, feel a, a, a tap on my shoulder. And it's one of my dear friends who didn't come to the upper room, but he was swinging by the upper room on his way to the hospital because a friend of ours uh, had a, a heat exhaustion, heat stroke. Long story, but he was found in his car and his temperature was like 105, 106. Like it was really, really up there. He had gone into a, a, a heat-induced coma. And so they were rushing him to a hospital. He was on a ventilator. They were afraid that he was brain dead. And, uh, and so my friend's telling me this, and I'm getting this news right before I'm about to preach. So I'm deliberating, should I go preach or should I go and pray for my buddy? And so what I did is I just presented it to the community. And I just wanna share these things with you because I want you to know this is so a part of who we are as a community. I laid this day of trouble. It was this family's day of trouble before our community and we began praying as a community. And as we began praying, we started praying, his name was Chip. We just started praying for Chip. We started praying for, uh, for Chip's body. We started praying for his family. And I remember a woman in the back, Angie Bro. Is Angie here? Angie's a longtime uh, attendee of the upper room. But Angie Bro stood up from the back as we were ending in prayer. She stood up from the back. And I don't know what happened to her heart. I don't know where this statement came from. But when she said it, there was such life and faith on it. It was crazy. She stood up and she said, this man shall live and not die. And when she said that, it hit my heart, hit the guy's heart that, that, that we were going with. And we left the upper room and we went to a hospital in Irving. And we walked in and we walked into a wife and mother who is losing her husband. The doctors are saying he is is not going to live and if he does, he will have brain damage. He's in bad shape. And when we walked in, whatever, whatever I received in that moment from Angie, bro, we walked in and we declared that it's a scripture. We walked in and we said, this man shall live and not die. And hope and faith was released to this family. And he went on a journey for the next two months where he came out of that heat induced coma. He awoke, he had zero brain damage. He's completely restored. And they're serving, they're serving on a mission field in South America today. 
And I was, I was just feeding my heart because I felt like the Lord said, I want you to return to fresh expectation in my power. And as I did, I, I found this email from her. She emailed me this, just a testimony about me and, 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 and our community's presence in their life. And she said that uh, Michael and team have definitely had a huge impact upon our lives. In fact, he was the first to believe that a miracle would come to our family. He encouraged all of us to believe, including me, and I was the first to jump on the bandwagon. And I, I believe God's looking for a, a family that will, that will believe <laughs> that he's the God that invades the impossible. And I believe we're that kind of family, that we believe that he invades the impossible impossibilities of our day. And I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know what impossibilities are facing you, your family, but I believe today he's the same yesterday and today forever. And he is going to invade impossibilities today. I believe he's gonna to touch bodies. I believe he's gonna confront cancer. I believe he's gonna do what only he can do today. I believe he's gonna confront addiction. I saw addiction, people that are bound up and I feel like he's coming to liberate this morning. In the early days before we were cool, people would show up desperate. People would find us in their desperation. Presbyterian, Baptist, Bible church, Catholic, homosexual, people that were desperate for a miracle. They wanted to find those that would believe with them and believe that God could do something for them. When people are desperate, they do not know religion. They don't know the walls that divide us. They simply want to believe in the God of scripture and they're looking for people that will believe that. And let me tell you, upper room, we're that people. When Jesus came down the mountain in Mark chapter nine, he came down the mountain from the place of encounter and he found his disciples arguing with the Pharisees over what the disciples could not do. They could not cast a demon out. And he diagnosed it as a faithless, unbelieving and perverse generation. He said, bring them to me. And when he brought them to me, that demon didn't stand a chance. And I believe that there's a generation that's not gonna be marked with faithlessness, unbelief, and perversion. I believe there's a generation that's coming forth that's gonna be marked with faith, belief, and purity. Psalms 24 talks about that generation. Psalms 24 says that there's a generation that has clean hands, it's an internal reality, or a pure heart and internal reality and clean hands and they're ascending the hill of the Lord, standing in the holy place. It's a generation that's seeking his face but that generation will be marked with power. It's the generation that opens up the gates so that the king of glory can come in and manifest himself as that. And I believe that we are that people. And man, the world's crying out for something real. They're tired of religion. They're tired of the, the religious conversation and arguments that are being played out on social media, over CNN, all the stuff that Jesus gets lumped into. I believe that Jesus is showing up fresh and new and revealing himself to hearts that have written him off, have inspected this type of setting, and he's reintroducing himself as the God of power. This is who we are. You want some more testimonies? Yeah. <laughs> We've got plenty of them. I've just been revisiting testimony after testimony, just feeding my heart of what I've seen the Lord do. Uh, I remember our Clay and Emily here, Clay and Emily Evans, um, they, they, uh, they have a precious little daughter, Cameron. She wasn't supposed to make it out of the hospital. She had a heart condition that wasn't to allow her to come out. It was a miracle that she 
I think she's now celebrating, what, her sixth or seventh birthday? Seven, she just turned seven. I mean, it's just a supernatural miracle, little Cameron. Um, and, uh, and she had a, there's this miracle after miracle that has happened with her. But one time in the upper room, uh, we were worshiping. And I don't know how it happened. I don't know why I was thinking this, but I was just singing to the Lord. And all of a sudden I had an image of a, of a heart. I was kind of standing, felt like I was inside a heart. And I heard the word pulmonary, which I don't know much about the heart. I don't even know what the pulmonary is. But I figured it had something to do with the heart. And so before I preached, I stood up and I said, hey, listen, I just felt like the Lord was speaking to me uh, about a heart. And if anyone has a pulmonary condition, I feel like the Lord wants to, to, to do something. Well, a couple of hearts stood up, you know, people with heart condition, but it wasn't specifically pulmonary, the pulmonary valve, which I know now is part of the heart and respiratory stuff. Well, uh, Clay and Emily were in the back and they had heard that word. And they, they, they prayed for Cameron because the next day she was going to... To, to receive some tests for an operation that, that, that was due, but the pulmonary uh, arteries and the pulmonary valve were of concern. And so I texted her this morning just to make sure this story was correct. It was an Australian doctor that took the test and he came back and he said, listen, I don't know if you play the lottery, but you won the lottery because little Cameron's arteries, her pulmonary arteries, it's as if they're new. Isn't that awesome? Now that... That may just be a cool testimony to you, but if it's your daughter, it's a really cool testimony. Listen, these testimonies are just testimonies until you need one. And I wanna be the community that walks in the compassion and mercies of God, that, that, that carries the tension of those that come into an environment like this and they're desperate for a miracle, that they'll find hearts that are open and full of compassion to lead them to the good shepherd, to receive what only they can from his hand. And it's a corporate anointing, it's a corporate faith. It's not just an individual thing, it's a corporate family anointing that we believe this is who God is. This is one of the ways that he manifests his goodness. Are you with me? All right, so let me give you some scripture. Turn to John chapter 14. In John chapter 14, Jesus, <clears throat> Jesus makes a statement that's pretty unbelievable, but he made it, therefore we can believe it. <laughs> And I, what I wanna do is I wanna link the power of God uh, to prayer because we're a house of prayer and we've been, we've been, we've been contending uh, that the Lord is establishing his house of prayer morning, noon, and night, that we're hosting his presence, that we're ministering to him. But I believe the result and fruit of that is a manifestation of his power. And I wanna show you that in this text because Jesus makes a pretty profound statement in John chapter 14. And if you're a disciple and you believe in Jesus, this statement is about you and your life. In John chapter 14, verse 12, he says, truly, truly, I say to you that he who believes in me, the works, everyone say the works. So the works that I do, now Jesus did a lot of works, but the primary works that he did is he healed and he confronted, he confronted those that were bound. He liberated, he proclaimed the gospel. It was a gospel, it was power unto salvation, but that salvation had results. It wasn't just a ticket to heaven, it was a transformed life. And so he's saying that, that, that the works that I do, he will do. Who's he? He is who believes in him. How many of you believe in the Lord today? So if you believe in the Lord, it says the works that I do, you will do. So you are qualified to do what Jesus did. 
you're enlisted into this life based on this scripture. He said, the works I do, he will do, he will do also, and greater works. Everyone say greater works. It's just crazy. Greater works than these he will do. So greater works he will do. How many of you have read this scripture before? Greater works, it's an amazing scripture. But I wanna show you today how you do the greater works. Because this verse in itself, it's not isolated to this, this random statement and then they change the subject. It's directly linked to the following verses. And Jesus is gonna drive this conversation from the works that I do, you will do these works and greater works you will do. He's then gonna take the conversation in a direction. It's important for us to see the direction that he takes the conversation so that we know the works, how to do the works. Are you following me? So, so because I feel like we've divorced, like there's a, there's a division between the kingdom camp and the signs and wonders camp and those that are running forth and the evangelistic movement and, and praying for every person that you see with a crutch, wheelchair, hearing aid, and, and those that are in rooms like this praying. And I wanna bridge the gap and say, listen, the in is directly related to the out, that the two are extremely connected. That the, the one that we're, we're encountering is the one that we manifest. That the one that we behold is the one that we share. Freely we receive, freely we give. It's this in and out. It's this receive and give. And he's saying, you'll do the works that I do. Greater works will you do these. And then it's really important, the last part of this verse, because he's going to reconnect this. There's a thread that he's going to take you through. So he says, greater works you're going to do. And the reason you're going to do greater works is because. Everyone say because. Because is so, so, so important in this text. Because. Because why? Because I go to the Father. Now that's kind of like, okay, that's a cool, like you go to the Father. What does that mean? You're the, you're, you're, so you're leaving, but we're, we're gonna do the works that you did because you're gone. Okay, I get that. But how is you being with the Father connected to me doing the works? How is you being up there connected with what I'm doing down here? And, and Jesus is saying me being up there is gonna empower you to do what I have done. And so he's gonna take this revelation, he's gonna dive into the next text and he's gonna enter into prayer. Verse 13, he says, whatever you ask in my name, everyone say whatever. whatever. This is really, really important teaching. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I what? Okay, he said, you will do greater works, so whatever you ask in my name, I will do. So whatever you ask, that will I do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Verse 14. If you ask me anything, everyone say anything. If you ask me anything in my name, I will what? I will do it. Okay, so let's look at these two verses. Go back to 14 or 13. So everyone say whatever. And then the next one was anything. So whatever you ask, anything you ask, that will I do. Now, whatever and anything are all encompassing, yes? <laughs> Like whatever, anything. That seems like a, a very like lofty promise from the Lord. Whatever it is that you ask, if you ask me anything, I will do it. What? Now, how many of you have asked whatever and how many of you asked anything and it's like, dude, this scripture is not true. <laughs> I've asked whatever and I've asked anything and uh-uh. That, that is not true because you did not do my whatever and you did not do my anything. And so I'm kind of like, whatever. 
Like really, we, we, we need to wrestle with these texts because these, these texts have life in them, but we have to understand what he means. What, 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 is, what is it that he'll do in our whatever? What is it that he'll do in our anything? Because in your whatever and in your anything, I believe there's a key to unlock the greater things in the whatever and in the anything. I believe it's so intricately connected, but if we don't connect our heart to verses like this and we don't see the relationship that we've been invited into our, in the anything and in the whatever, we get frustrated with God. We insulate our hearts. We stop believing for the miraculous. We stop believing for the whatever and for the anything because we've been at this whatever and we've been at this anything and you did not do whatever and you did not do anything and it really impacted my life. Like there's tension in this text. There's tension in life. There's tension in, are you really good? Are you who you say you are? Because this verse says you will do whatever and you will do what anything. And I'm in the midst of hell. I'm in the midst of fire. I'm in the midst of persecution. I'm in the midst of walking through a diagnosis. I'm in the midst of like trying to figure this thing out. And I don't see you in my whatever anything. Like there's tension in this. There's heat in this. There's life in this. And how you process your whatever and how you process your anything, it's so, so, so important. Because I want to set you up to do the greater works. I wanna set you up to see the king and his kingdom manifest. So what do we do? Well, we gotta keep reading. <laughs> greater works you'll do, because I go to the Father. Hey, listen, whatever you ask me, I'll do it. If you ask me anything, I will do it. Whatever, anything, I'll do. Verse uh, 15. Then he, it's like he's changing the subject here. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Wait a second. We're talking about whatever and anything. You said I could do greater works. So it's like, you'll do greater works. Ask me and I'll do it. Ask me and I'll do it. But you do your part. Your part is to do whatever I say. Your part is to... If you love me, obey what I say. This isn't like, I don't think this is like the grandiose 10 commandments, although it fits. It is a generalized, we need to be obedient to the word of God. But I also believe there's an intimate invitation in our whatever and in our anything to follow him. It's intimate. He, he's, he's intimate to our whatever and he's intimate to our anything. So you do this, you obey what you hear. You obey what you know. You obey the voice in scripture and you obey the voice of the next verse. Again, gonna start back. Greater works will you do. Because I go to the Father, if you ask me anything, I'll do it. So there's a lot you do, I do, you do, I do. Okay, I wanna show you the next verse is so critical. This is like the, the knot that brings it all together. Because this is what Jesus will do. And this is a key to us experiencing the greater works, it's understanding what Jesus does in our anything and in our whatever. It's verse 16. I will, who's I? Jesus. Where did Jesus go? Jesus was with his father. You'll do greater works because I go to the father. You're seeing the intimate conversation between the son and the father based on your whatever and anything. In your whatever and in your anything, this is what he'll do. Does everyone see this? I will ask the Father. I will represent you to the Father. And he, based on my request, based on what I'm doing on behalf of your whatever and on behalf of your anything, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. 
Who is that helper? The helper's Holy Spirit. I will send Holy Spirit that he may be with you forever. Is this a part of forever today? It is. It's an eternal promise, but it's a promise for the here and the now. What will Jesus do? Jesus will send the Holy Spirit. In your whatever and in your anything, the, the, the answer to your prayer is found in him sending you the helper, the Holy Spirit. It's dependent upon your relationship with him in your whatever and in your anything. It's unto intimacy. Do you know what the helper does? These are verbs related to the helper, all found in scripture. This is what the helper does. The helper guides, reveals, leads, empowers, fills, teaches, testifies, produces, distributes, anoints, washes, renews, unifies, frees, seals, guarantees, quickens, dwells, speaks to, speaks through, transforms, cries, grants, supplies, gives access, strengthens, enables, confesses Jesus, moves, knows all things, casts out demons, remembers, appoints, heals, just to name a few. In, in the whatever, in the anything, he sends the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit manifests the power of the kingdom. And we need that demonstration. Is Camille here? Can I, can I get Camille just to share this testimony? This is such a beautiful testimony. We have a microphone back here. Oh, no, no, that, that. Sorry. I didn't think it looked like Yeah. Thanks for catching me. This is Camille. She was painting today over here. Did y'all see her painting? She's awesome. This is is power breaking through. This is power breaking through. That's beautiful. (laughs) Well, tell how power broke through in your life. Um, So I was one of those victims that Chad would find in the grocery store that had the cane, the hearing aid, or some outward evidence. Um, I walked with a cane. In my early 30s, I had slipped on some ice and fell down some stairs, and I fractured the lower two vertebrae in my back, and I was disabled for what turned out to be 18 years of chronic pain. I could only walk, stand, or sit for about 15 minutes, and movement was extremely painful. So I was in a public place. One of you crazy Christians found me. prayed for me, and, and over a period of six weeks from that initial prayer, uh, God supernaturally healed me on March the 19th, 2009. So, tell, tell a little bit about, you need to hear like the, the actual condition of her vertebrae. And, okay, you have to hold this then, because okay. I have to talk with my yeah. hands. So um, when, I, when I fell, you have vertebrae, and if any medical people here forgive my layman's version of this, but you have vertebrae that sit on a disc, right, and they move, and they have these little joints called facet joints, and they, that's what makes your spine mobile. Well, when I fell, I fractured four of those facet joint on the L4 and L5, so lower. And what happened is they were twisted and I did not get the help that I needed because I didn't think I needed any. Um, and as those bones began to remodel, they opened, there was a crack in them and the spinal nerves got caught in those cracks. So when the bones began to maneuver over and grow over, those nerves were caught in there. And so every time your spine moved, it's yanking on nerves and thus the pain. Um, the doctor said it was inoperable in that they would probably paralyze me if they tried, and if they didn't, it might, even if they could, even if they did paralyze me, they might not take care of the pain. So I was in the body of a 30-year-old, um, and the doctors were saying this is as good as it's gonna get, and I felt like I was in the body of an 80-year-old. 
And that's all I knew. I loved Jesus, but I had no, no understanding of what we have here that's so precious. So um, when I was healed on March 19th in my bedroom, I knew what had happened, but it so shook my theology that it blew up my world. And so I went in search from that point to find, well, let me just say I was rejected by the cessationist theology church I was in, that this can't be. And I'm saying, no, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this is real. And so I came and the Lord brought me eventually here to the upper room to understand and to release and to bring forth what I know. So in this case, faith did not come first. I was skeptical. In fact, I told the people praying for me to stop praying for me because wow. they were really bad at it. Um, <laughs> I swear, wow. I swear I did. <laughs> so, so the power broke through. It, I didn't have to have enough faith. I didn't have to be in the right place. I didn't have to, I just, I just had to receive what God did. But then I went in search of that God because I wanted that God with power because my God had been weak. So, Come on. So I love you. Thank you. That's good, amen. Um, I have like four or five testimonies I was gonna share, uh, but, but I, I feel like it's time that we, we create some. Um, I just, yeah. Familiarity uh, can breed unbelief. Like when, when Jesus showed up in his hometown, they, he couldn't do miracles because they were too familiar with him. They, they rationalized it out. They're like, wait, I'm familiar with this man. And, and he was amazed at their unbelief. And, and I, I think for some of us, it's, it's, it's the paradigms that we've lived in. It's the lack of power that we've seen. And I, wanna, I, wanna, I just wanna push the pedal a little harder and expect the Holy Spirit to come. I feel there's a fresh wave for us as a family to contend for. I had a, a word from a friend that doesn't, well, he doesn't really know me, he's now a friend, but his first word, he said he saw the Lord uh, removing the, uh, the safety plug in the electrical socket for our church. And he said, it's, it's time to plug back into the power. And, and this began around the power. It, it was prayer, presence, but it was resulting in power. I remember a, upper room in Oak Lawn was known, we were in, we, it, it, we prayed for people. Like the community at large, the, the veterinarian clinic downstairs had to ask us to stop praying for sick animals that were coming in. Like people were praying for animals. They were praying for anything that needed healing. They were praying for it. I remember we would be driving around and see young adults on the streets of Cedar Springs. And it was regular that you would see someone praying for someone else. We would film them, take pictures. Our coffee shop, uh, that we owned there because of the baristas working behind the bar, people would travel in to come and get coffee and they would receive healing or a touch from the Lord because people were just expectant that Jesus was the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I just wanna stoke our faith. I want us to just fresh expectation for the Lord to do what only he can and I want it to happen this morning. Is that cool? So let's do it this morning.